a good time so far. So am I. Good, notice the flight. I'm going to invite Pastor Chris now. You want to do something special? I want, I want your help this morning. I probably need your help every Sunday, but I don't often ask for it because I'm a bit proud. But this morning I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nervous because I'm talking about the vision of our church. I'm talking about what we hope to achieve in the next 12 months and beyond. I'm talking about what that looks like, what, what actions we need to take, all of these sort of things. And you know, the, the problem that I struggle with is that I've only got half an hour to do it. There are so many things that I could talk about. There are so many intricate bits and pieces that build upon each other to form a, a, a picture that enables us to operate as a church, that enables us to reach out to people and bring them into the body of Christ. That I don't know where to begin. And my greatest fear this morning is I'm going to miss something important. So I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray for me as we begin this morning talking about the mission and the vision of C3 Church North. Lord, help me. Holy God, we thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. I ask right now that every person under the sound of my voice is here with an open heart, an open mind, a mind to receive, a heart open to allow you to enter in. Lord, I thank you that whatever words I speak, they are anointed by you. I thank you that the message I am here to bring comes across whether I stumble and fall, whether I am clear or unclear. Whatever happens, Lord, I believe and I pray that your Holy Spirit will anoint my words and carry them into the hearts of your people so that we can see your plan, your purpose come to pass in this church in 2017 and beyond. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. I feel a lot better. So, I don't know... I don't know whether this is, is it, I don't think it's racist, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it a shot and we can erase it from the tape anyway. Um, there there was, a, was a priest who was talking to a rabbi and it, it, the priest said to the rabbi, he says, why is it that Jews always answer a question with a question? And the rabbi said, why do you ask? <laughs> and I think it's an important point that Christianity isn't actually always about the answers. It's actually about asking the questions. Because sometimes we assume, I mean, we often say, Jesus has the answer. Well, Jesus is the answer. And it's like, what question is he the answer to? And so I want to start off this morning. This is, I love my church Sunday. So I think we need to start with two questions. What is this church that we're supposed to love? And how are we supposed to love this church? So if we look in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now I'm pretty sure that Jesus wasn't talking about C3 Norwood. We might, have been part, we might be part of what he's talking about, but Jesus is talking about a global, worldwide church that's impacting every corner of the globe, which is a strange thing to say because globes don't have corners. 
there's another racist joke tied to that, but I won't actually do that because it is racist. Um, <laughs> sorry, did I over-explain? Get on with it, Chris. Now, of course, there are, there are lots of different denominations and there are movements and there are church groups doing worldwide ministry and the scope of it is hard to comprehend. In fact, to talk about serving a, a, a church that spans the globe and, and, and uh, speaks to all cultures is a, a little difficult for us to, to actually get enthusiastic about. It's just too big. But we are actually part of that. C3 Global is a church movement that is spreading around the globe. And so I think it's important for us to actually recognize that as C3 Norwood, we're actually part of C3 Global. So while we're a local church, we're part of a global movement. And I wanted to show you this morning what's been happening in C3 Global in the year 2016, what we've come to, where around the world we are, and what exciting things are happening. So if you look at the screen, we're going to have a look at what C3 Global has been up to. Thank you. 
Wow. Are we part of something good or what? And the thing is that there's no global superstar doing all of that. I mean, I know Pastor Phil goes to those areas and he, he visits and he encourages, but he doesn't build the church in all of those places. Every single place on that list is a local church, just like ours, some bigger, some smaller, some more excited, a heck of a lot less excited. And so that's the church that Jesus is talking about. How do we love that church? That's the second question. We've seen the church. I'm excited about what the church is doing around the globe. But how do we love that church? What are we called to do? And so that's where we come in. We're not all called to worldwide ministries. So this is where the local church comes in. We are called to love the church we're in. So what does that look like? Is Jesus calling you to love the worship? Love the preaching? Yes. Love the coffee? That's your cue, Ben. Yep. <laughs> well, yes. But I think Jesus had something more in mind than just liking the coffee. And this is getting really hard because I'm not sure I like what Jesus said. John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. Doesn't sound very loving to me. That's, 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 pretty, that's a pretty bold statement. And a bold statement. If you love me, obey my commandments. What does that mean? Well, let's have a look at Jesus' final commandment. See what he said. Matthew 28, 18. Reading out of the English Standard Version, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority. Say that again after me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me who's me no it's Jesus <laughs> trick question <laughs> but important it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now there are two important things about that statement this is not the vision of the church this is the mission of the church and we often get those two confused. In fact, the Bible calls this the Great Commission. Now, this may not be etymologically correct. And for those of you who know what that means, then you can deal with it. But notice the word is co-mission. It means it's a mission done in cooperation with people. It's not a solitary pursuit. It's not something you can palm off on the pastors. This is something where you, you've seen in aeroplanes, they have a pilot and a co-pilot. And the co-pilot is that they share responsibility. If something happens to the pilot, the co-pilot takes over. They both do the safety check of the aeroplane, so they share the load. And that's what the great co-mission is. It's, it's God's instruction for, to build the church so that we can share the load of doing the mission of the church. The second point is it's not actually just something that occurs on Sunday. And in fact, Sunday should be the low day of the week. We should actually be coming to church to recharge, to reconnect with Jesus, to worship our God, to get our spirit right for the week ahead, which is where we go out and perform the mission of the church. Because if I don't know whether you noticed it in there, but it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. 
And there's that funny word, my, lo- my wife loves this word. It's that word, therefore. And if she was here, she would say to you, look at that word and ask yourself, what is it therefore? It is therefore what has gone before. What is the word before therefore? Go. So you see, we're commissioned to action. Go therefore. We are called out into the world. Inside the four walls of this building is not where discipleship happens. It's not where mission happens. It's actually where we gather gather together to look at, lick our wounds, to get healing, to strengthen ourselves for the task ahead, to reconnect with Jesus, to get our spirits right, to confess our sins, to be strengthened and anointed to go out into the world in the coming week. Not just Vicky and I, not just the leaders, but every single person in this church. Ephesians 4.11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. You didn't know this, but I'm a gift. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. You're stuck with me now. <laughs> the responsibility of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to equip God's people to do his work to build up the church, the body of Christ. So what is our mission? Our mission is discipleship. I think that covers everything. So, what is discipleship? Because if that's going to be our mission, who, who, who would like to know what we're doing? Who would like to know how to go about some of this thing? There's a guy in Manila in the Philippines called Joey Bonifacio. What a strange name. He's probably got a really small church. I think it's only about 25, 30,000 at the moment. Um, and his church is extremely effective at building disciples. And his mantra, his phrase is just this, discipleship is relationship. It's actually a healthy relationship with our Father in heaven and a healthy relationship with other people. It's in those healthy relationships that we come closer to Jesus and come closer to one another. That's the, that's the, the brass tacks of discipleship, if you like. Discipleship is not like a student-teacher interaction. It's a, a structured mentoring program can look like that, but discipleship itself is not meant to be an authority-passing, hierarchical structure of connecting with one another. Uh, proverb, I mean, we know that's not an authority hierarchy because if we read back into um, Matthew 28, 18, it says, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and we worked out who was me, so it's not you, it's not me. The authority's been given to Jesus. So ha- and it says how much authority was given to him? So how much is left over for us? None. So we don't actually have any authority. I mean, I, I, I like what um, Brendan said earlier. He said if you're leading and, you, and nobody's following you, you're just going for a walk. And a lot of pastoring is just walking, praying and hoping that somebody is actually going to follow you because... A church is a group of people who have volunteered to come together and work for one purpose, to be united in mind, body, and spirit. And if you look at the people around you, none of them are like you. They're all different. They're they're probably different ages, different cultures, different genders. And a lot of them, if you met them in the street, you probably wouldn't get on with them. And so 
church in itself is a miracle because we come together and Jesus uses those differences to actually build his church. And we know that friendship is the key, at it, key to it because Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It doesn't say as iron sharpens iron, so a pastor sharpens his congregation. It doesn't say a connect group leader. It doesn't say someone on the board. It doesn't say any, it says a friend sharpens a friend. We are called to come together in friendship. Notice also, it doesn't say a, fr- a saved friend. It doesn't say a Christian friend. Discipleship actually begins before the people that we are friends with are saved. Discipleship is very simple. It's one of those awkward Christian things where when you work out what it is, it's like, is that it? Is that all there is to it? Is it? Jesus, come on, is that all you want me to do? Connect with people? Be a friend? Share, the, share my faith with people? Pray with them? Comfort them when they're sick? Celebrate with them when they're, when they're doing well? Is that it? Yes. Discipleship is simple. Now, who's ever tried it? It's not easy, is it? Simple, but it isn't easy. And so, we all have a part. It's not rocket science either. I mean, don't get your knickers in a twist. It might not be easy, but anybody can do it. It actually just takes fortitude and a love for people and a love for God. So, So that's our mission. Discipleship. So if that's our mission, what's our vision? I am glad you asked that question. You see, in the past when we've had vision days, often what's happened is we've got up the front and we've said 2017 is going to be the year. We are believing for a thousand people by December 2017. We are going to have a hundred connect groups. We are going to have a building on 10 acres in the Adelaide Hills. We are going to have saved the complete city of Adelaide. There will be no unsafe people within the city limits. And we believe that God is into this vision and that's where we're going. Who's with me? <laughs> You're sort of thinking, he has lost his marbles. But that, that's, that's the sort of thing in the past that we've done. A, because we've confused mission and vision slightly. And B, because that's what everybody else was doing. But we've come to realize that Simply put, our vision for the church, our vision for this year, our vision for just moving ahead no matter what the time scale, our vision is actually just how we see us fulfilling our mission. It's, it's the way we do things. Who knows that every church has the same mission? We're all called to make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything Jesus commanded and baptizing them. That doesn't, you don't go to the church down the road and they've cut, we, we're not going to do the baptism, we're leaving that to you guys. It doesn't happen. The mission for every church is the same, but the vision is different because the vision is determined by who is in that church. The makeup of people, the makeup of the, the demographic of the people in the church, the, the, the vision that God has given them, how they see Jesus, how they see their relationship with one another, whether they like coffee or not, actually determines the direction and the vision of a church it's not the person up the front I can guide that vision but Jesus calls us to make that vision work with the people that we have around us and so he he is moving that vision so for example 
Our vision. We've just seen something, a part of it right here and now. We anointed two new connect group leaders, which was exciting, encouraging. I love that sort of thing. But our vision is actually not to multiply connect groups. That's our mission. The reason I'm excited about the fact that we have more connect groups now is because that gives us an opportunity because our vision is discipleship. Discipleship happens in our connect groups. The more connect groups we have, the better and more discipleship we can actually engage in. That's our vision. See, and we do it through, other churches don't always do it through connect groups, but we've found that works. And therefore we get excited about anointing and and appointing new connect group leaders, not because they're wonderful people, but they are. Not because it's great on our numbers to say we have another group of 10 people, that looks good on our stats, but it does. We're excited because our vision is how are we going to disciple these people? What, it, what is going to attract people? How is the best way in our particular situation to make that happen? And connect groups is one of the best ways we have that. And so our vision is to disciple people in those connect groups. And that, that's because vision, notice vision's exciting. Mission isn't because on Monday morning, um, Rhiannon and Chris have got to go to the Elvanto site and they've got to look at the notes and work out what they're going to do. And sometimes that's like, oh, okay, I've got to talk, oh, I better look up that scripture. It, that, it's not visionary anymore, it's mission. But, the, but knowing what we're achieving through that is our vision. We have just taken possession of a building across the road which is going to be our ministry centre. I'm excited about that, but it's just a building. It's a very nice building, but all the same, it's, it's, it's just a building. My vision is not to have a building. I'd like to have a building. But that's, that's not, it's not like, hey, our building fund has come to a point where we can get a building, our vision is fulfilled, let's all go home. That ministry centre is exciting in terms of our vision because we can see how it will fulfil our mission. You see, part of that Ministry centre is going to be used to hold our kids' program on Sundays. Our vision is to see a facility which is exciting for children to come to because they are going to connect with Jesus Christ. They're going to start at the beginning of our service, which means they're going to have their own praise and worship. They're going to take ownership of their worship. They're not going to stand here and and have to stand around old people and be repressed. (laughs) They're going to be doing things over there that we have no idea about what they're going to do. I believe they're going to break out. They're going to get great teaching over there. They've got space to expand because excited children ask more children to come along. If there's no room for more children, it doesn't work. There's room over there. And guess what happens when children get excited and other children join kids' church? What happens to their parents? They come here. And we've got more room here for their parents. So our vision is that to be able to expand our kids' ministry enables us to disciple more people. The other great thing, which has nothing to do with the building per se, is that because the kids are moving out of the back room, we, can, we, we are going to change that into a nursing mother's room. Who knows that mothers in a family sacrifice more than anyone else because when they have to feed their baby or change their baby or whatever, they, they have to go out and do it. They have to go out. They miss the service. They miss the great preaching. They miss out on, on worship. And... Uh, you know, I don't know whether you know what it's like, but it, it only takes two seconds, well, a couple of minutes to change a baby. 
Well, I, I, got, I got very good at it, let me tell you. But who knows that these things never happen in isolation. You go out to change the baby and suddenly they cry because they're hungry. So you feed the baby and when you fed the baby, they poop again. And, and, and so we're, we're actually going to put a live feed out there with a TV screen so that they can do all of these things and not miss part of the service because that helps mothers be involved in, in our worship and in, in, in hearing the word of God so that they too are blessed, so that they can be discipled, so that they can bring more people, so that we can keep making disciples. That is exciting, not because I want to be a nursing mother in a blue fit, not because I'm excited about a vision of um, bottles and poop, but I can see a vision in there because it's enabling us to bring people into the kingdom of God and affect their lives. We plan to use some of the space in the ministry center as a visitor lounge slash post-service coffee hangout. You thought, that's a bit indulgent. We're not here just to love the coffee. Didn't I hear the, you say that earlier? We're not. But guess what? To be able to take visitors over there and have a, a relaxing space where we can talk to them about our church, whether they can, where they can meet other people from the church who've gone over there to have a coffee, to, to be in a place where we can fellowship with one another where we can invite people to connect group where we can talk about going out to lunch or meeting somebody on a weekend or 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 fellowshipping together because you remember i said friendship is the basis for iron sharpening iron if you can't get together with people to make friends how can you that coffee lounge cafe over there is going to be something that will enable people to make connections even quicker and faster than they do now. So I'm excited about that. Not, not just because I like coffee. Not just because the decor. You know, people have plans. I have never seen so many bun fights about a, a new building. You sort of think dealing with the, you know, the cramped quarters in this building causes friction. But that's nothing when people suddenly get big ideas and you get five people who've all got big ideas that are nothing alike. It is so exciting. Stressful, but really exciting. Because people are getting vision. People see what they can do. They're not excited just because they want to paint the walls because who knows, painting's boring. Exactly. But we're excited because we can see how if we make that vision of what we see come to pass, it will actually facilitate our mission. It's discipleship. We're running courses. You've just heard about the course we're starting in February. Guess where we're running it? In the ministry centre. We're going to have it set up so that we can teach people over there. We can grow and make disciples in this place. See, it's just a building. Nice building. But the vision we have for it is nothing to do with the walls, floors, ceilings, and light fixtures and everything else, although you know, that, that's all part of the plan. The vision that we have is that we are going to be able to expand our capability to make disciples. That's our vision. Our vision is how we see ourselves fulfilling our mission. And this year in particular, because we've just got it, that ministry centre is actually going to be part, a large part of our vision because it opens up incredible opportunities for us to actually expand what we're doing. Guess what? It's not the be-all and end-all. We're only leasing it. Our plan with our building fund, because we haven't stopped the building fund, our plan is to actually have a permanent facility that incorporates our auditorium which is what this will become and a ministry center all in one so we don't have to cross the road because who knows you know, 
today after the service, the ministry center's going to be open for you to go and have a look. And you know what the bummer is? It's raining. Now, that's not part of my vision. And sort of like, God, what are you doing? He says, don't worry about it. It's not part of your vision. He says, just get people hungry so that they don't have to cross the road. So we get, we, our, our, our aim with our building fund is still to own our own facility. But in the meantime, our vision is to use what we've got here over the road to expand what we are doing. That is our vision. So it's our vision, if, if you want to put it into words, our vision for this year is about increasing our capability to fulfill our mission. This Sunday is actually all about baptizing ourselves in the vision that God has for his church. Now you're thinking, hang on, we've all been baptized. At least most of us have. What, what, what's this talk of baptizing? Now, Pastor Phil, if you were there on Wednesday night at a touch of presence, wasn't that a great night? Yeah. He talked about this because I don't know how whether you know how the New Testament was translated, but the, the New Testament was, was written in a bit of Aramaic and a bit of Greek called Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E. I don't know whether that's how you pronounce it because it's all Greek to me. Um, that was a dad joke. What's wrong with you? Um, but when they translated it into English, the way they translated it was they found Greek words in other Greek documents that matched the words in the Bible so that they could get the meaning right. And the, the word for baptism in Greek was a, only mentioned twice in the New Testament, I think two or three times, and they couldn't find another document in the whole of Greece that had that word in it. And so they guessed, they sort of said, oh, it's when you dunk people in, because it, it was talking about when Jesus was baptised in the Jordan. And so they said, obviously, the, you know, it, it's about being immersed in, into water. But years later, they came across a couple of other documents that were recipes, and these recipes actually mention the same word for baptism in, in, their, in their how-to section. And they, were how to, uh, and they were recipes on making pickles. And the, the, the way you make pickles is you don't dunk them in the liquid and then lift them out and say, "Whoa, a pickle! <laughs> you leave them in the liquid for years sometimes so that what the liquid infuses into them and imparts the flavour. And that is the meaning of this word baptism. It's actually being infused and totally, constantly immersed in what God is doing. So to be baptized is actually describing a constant immersion in God's vision. A constant immersion in Jesus Christ. A constant immersion in the Holy Spirit. So that we don't, we don't just dive in, say, whoop, that was a nice God moment, hop out, towel ourselves off and go in with our lives. It's a question of staying in the presence of God. And if we want a constant connection, then, then there needs to be an interaction between us and God. And it needs to be something that reminds us not, of our, not just of our commitment to God's plan, but of God's commitment to our plan. You see, this is where our vision offering comes in. Because to remain connected with God, there needs to be this transaction that occurs and I believe that God wants to bless and to prosper our plans for his his church but I also believe he wants to bless and prosper your plans individually I mean Brendan said that he's a film director I believe that God isn't just interested in what Brendan does in church but he's interested 
in his film direction. I love that he said that directors need to have a sense of leadership because they can be creative, creative but totally useless at leadership. And the immediate thing that flashed through my mind is, yes, they're the unemployed directors. <laughs> Would that be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I'm thinking, see, God's interested in that. The things of the, the gospel have actually taught Brendan something outside his church life. And that means that God is actually interested in our life outside of what we do in church. And I believe if, if we commit to God's plan, then God commits to our plan. If we're prepared to give into the vision and the future of our church, God is prepared to give into our lives as individuals. We're gonna, in a moment, in about two minutes, we're going to take up our vision offering. I'm going to, uh, actually, it's Pastor Vicky, I think, might be giving instructions on how we're doing that. But I want to encourage you that this is not just, this isn't an offering for things. This is a statement of faith. This is us coming to God and saying, we believe in your vision and your plan and we are prepared to sow our treasure into that, vi into that vision. But in doing so, we recognize, because you remember what I said about earlier? Our tithes have actually prepared the ground for this offering. And when we sow into this offering, it is actually not unreasonable for us to believe for a harvest. In fact, it's pretty unreasonable not to believe for a harvest. No farmer goes and plants his seed and says, oh, well, that's done. Let's leave that. Let's go and do something else. Sick of me. He believes for a harvest. And that harvest benefits him. And God actually wants to benefit us. I know sometimes we like to be holy and say, oh, no, no, I, I don't want God to do anything for me. I'm here just to serve. And you're humble. Yeah, hum, bull. And so we need to recognize that God sees our faith. God rewards our faith. What's the one thing that pleases God? Faith. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't, I don't know whether there's some information up there, but if you haven't thought about giving into, into this offering, I encourage you to do that now. Um, if you haven't got one of those forms, uh, Jess is here. If you want to stand up, Jess, just in case there's anybody else. Raise your hand if you haven't got one and you'd like to give this morning. Because in, in, this is only the third year we've done this. The first two years we took up this offering have actually changed this church incredibly. Sometimes mundane things. The first offering we got, we were talking as a board about how to handle this and what to do with it. And it actually precipitated a change in the way we actually administer our church. It used to be a question of if people wanted money for things we'd sit there as a board and discuss it and give permission not permission zip, no, no soup for you um you know we were the soup nazis but the inspiration that actually came out of that and i know if you're not interested in administration this won't interest you at all but we started a system where we give our departments budgets and you might think well that's nice of you you dole out money and all that we were astounded at the way the leaders and department heads actually took to the fact they had responsibility for something that God had given them and it gave them not a spending spree, it gave them vision. It gave them a freedom to actually expand what they were doing because they could see that they were given free reign to fulfill their mission. That was really exciting. And there were other things. That, I mean, we used the, the money to, to do other things, anything from uh, 
helping build houses in Fiji to getting stage curtains to do all sorts of different things. But the, the whole reason behind it is because it actually lifts our vision. We are actually part of, we have contributed to building God's kingdom. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning that as we give into this, it's not us as a group. As you put your offering into the basket, God is looking at you as an individual and saying, you are my son or my daughter. I am well pleased with you. You have opened the windows of heaven so that I can pour a blessing out on you. You see, I believe that God's desire every day is to pour blessings out on us. But we lock the, the, the windows of heaven from this side. God says, I want to bless you. We say, no. Nah. Don't have any faith, not going to do anything. I, I, I don't believe that you're going to bless me. God says, well, he's, not, he's trying to... We actually have to reach up and unlock and say, Lord, I have faith in your provision. Lord, I'm going to open those windows. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to give into your kingdom. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And guess what? That mere obedience, that mere faith actually unlocks that. God breathes a sigh of release and relief. Release? And release. And releases all the blessing he can into our lives before we inadvertently lock it again. Sometimes I think God is desperate to bless us. And he's just wait, he's, he's on a hair trigger waiting for us to actually someday surrender and say, Lord, I'm just leaving it in your hands. I'm stepping out in faith and believing that. And suddenly the window opens. He's there stuffing blessing down as fast as he can before you change your mind. That's what we need to do this morning. We need to open the windows of heaven to allow him to bless us. Pastor Vicky, will you come and give us instructions on how we're going to do that?